Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday, complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. We're in a new, we're not in a new series. Uh, I'm going to preach. The Lord's kind of laid it on my heart that for this church and for this season, it's something that I've never done ever in the history of ministry. I've been in ministry 10 plus years, and uh, I've, and I've never, I've never gone series list before, but I believe God is calling this house to go series list for a little bit. Now, we're just going to come prepared with a heart that is good soil, that's a firm foundation, that's ready to receive the word, and when it gets planted in, come on, it is going to sprout, and it's going to be amazing. So really, just for the next however, um, obviously I have an idea. The Lord has given me insight and given me things that this house, specifically in this city, needs to hear, and the church over at large needs to hear, and, and so that's good, but some of them may be married to one another, some of them may not be, but it's going to be really good for us. Does that sound good? Yeah. Fantastic. Then tonight, this morning, we are, good Lord, we are preaching a message tonight, that, uh, this morning, that I have called, The Future Is Now. The Future Is Now. If you're taking notes tonight, we're going to hit up the Bible. Y'all love the Bible in church? Is that good? Did you know that it's alive and active, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword? Come on. Man, it is good. This is what you need. Um, Proverbs 23, 17 through 18 says this. Come on, what's David got for us today? Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Does that sound good? Y'all mind if we pray and then uh, we'll go from there? Awesome. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. It feels so good to say this morning. God, you know the hoops we had to jump through to get to this place. You knew all of the things that would go wrong, the things that would go well, the things that would have pushback, and all these things that it would take to get us here, God. And I truly believe you were with us every step of the way as you opened every single door in this building to us, God. I thank you for a heart to persevere. I thank you for this church that has persevered. I thank you for this team that has persevered. I thank you for every single person who calls Takeover Church home who said, this is my church, ride or die. We're going to see this God dream be a reality. So, Jesus, I just ask that you would be close to them, that you would bless them, God. If your word says that those who are preachers and handle the word well are owed double pay, I want to say this to my church tonight, Jesus, that they have handled the word well. Whether the preachers or not, they have handled the call of God well to build this church. And so, God, I just ask for double portion on their life, God, a fresh following of the Holy Spirit, a renewed, a renewed sound to hear your voice even more clearly, God. And we're asking for direction this morning for so many people. So we just thank you, God, that as this word goes forth, it does not return void, and we're going to see you do something incredible. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church at 1030 a.m., we said? Amen. Amen. Come on. So I'm going to be honest. I'm going to preach it like I feel it this morning. Is that cool? So this country, no, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) you You had to go political on us, man. I'm just kidding. But the future is now. The future is now. 
what does that even mean? I hope to explain it to you. I hope that I can convey to you what God has told me for this church, for this house, for this moment. But I love what David starts off saying here in this proverb. And who doesn't love David? Who loves going to the Old Testament sometimes? They're like, can we just get a little bit weird and go to the Old Testament? <laughs> it's good. It is useful. And it's, and it's there to edify the body. And so... I love David because I picked out this portion for a purpose, but I'm going to tell you a little backstory on it. David, he is writing this. Um, you know how growing up, your dad gives you like a list of do's and don'ts? You know? Like you do this, you don't do that. You run with them, you don't run with them. Like you go here, but you don't go there. You avoid this street at all costs, but you can go here. Like you know those do's and don'ts that you learned growing up? Like for me, one of them was like, hey, Matt, don't stick a fork or a butter knife or a diary key in an outlet. I did all three. I'm an overachiever. It's good. But that's what I'm talking about, the do's and the don'ts. But here's David. And David, he just has a list of don'ts, okay? This is the most hardcore, I promise you. If you go back and you read this entire proverb, it is the most hardcore thing you're going to read in the Bible because David just lays it out there. David starts off this proverb for context. He says this. He says, don't eat with a false ruler who doesn't have your heart. Don't eat and drink with a false ruler, with someone who's a boss, with someone who's higher up, with somebody in leadership, with somebody who's your, uh, your superior, superior, somebody that you look up to, somebody who maybe the world has put into fame and has made infamous. Like, don't eat and drink with someone who does not have your heart. Well, that's not too hardcore, right? That's, like, yeah, why not? Why would, you, why would you wine and dine with a false ruler, right? But David takes it a step further, and he says, don't eat and drink with a false ruler, but instead, stick a knife to your throat so that you would not be tempted to do so. That's hardcore, okay? We have church leaders all throughout this country and the globe. We have pastors and leaders and small group leaders and crew leaders. And we have all of these things. And, and we're just out here pleading with like, hey, maybe don't make agreement with that identity over your life. Maybe, maybe, don't, maybe don't go to those places if you know you're going to drink. Maybe don't hang out with those friends. I don't care how long you've been friends with them. If they're not healthy for your mental morality, don't hang out with them. We're just pleading for these things that kind of seem easy, right? Kind of, it's just a little bit. We're just saying, hey, maybe don't make an agreement with the enemy and what he says is best for your life. Maybe don't make an agreement with culture. Instead, we'll, we'll change and we'll shape and we'll shift because the world is different five years uh, now than it was five years ago. And it's going to be different five years from now than it is now. Maybe don't make agreement with this world, but instead make agreement with God. And so that's how we do it. But David, he takes it up a notch, and he goes, you know what? Why don't you pull up that switchblade and hold to yourself so that you're not tempted? That's crazy, okay? That's insane. He is running down a list of do's and don'ts, and they're all full of things like that. They're all full of, don't make agreement with this. Don't go here. Don't run with a girl who's like this. Don't hang out with a guy that's like this. And this part where he just starts it off, he says, don't make agreements. Don't eat with someone who doesn't share your own heart. And then he says, it's better to hold a knife to your throat when that conversation takes place so that you're not tempted to eat what they're selling. Which I think kind of sounds a lot like the world today, doesn't it? Which I think is pretty awesome because here's David and, and he's just making this thing. He's saying, don't eat with someone who don't have your heart. Don't make agreements 
with someone who doesn't have your best in mind. Take it up a notch. Don't allow yourself to be bought by someone or something, some person, place, whatever, a noun of any kind. Can I get it back to grade school? Don't allow yourself to be purchased by someone who can never make good on the bill. Don't come into agreement with someone who doesn't have your heart, who doesn't have your best interest in mind. Do not give in to this world, to a ruler, to somebody or something that can, never pro- that can never deliver on what it promises you. This world, this culture, presidents, kings, people who are notorious online, these things that have grace, huge followings, these things that are going on, we see it, they're famous, and they are flock this following, and we see what they're doing. They can never make good on their promise. David is saying something that we say all the time here at church, and that's a good leader does not overpromise and underdeliver. A bad leader overpromises and underdelivers. Amen. That's what David is saying right here. Don't make an agreement. Don't allow yourself to be bought by someone who can never pay the bill. That's a word for somebody tonight. And so that brings us to this. He says, "Do not envy." Sinners. What's up, Shay? Do not envy sinners. Isn't that crazy? Don't allow your heart to envy sinners. That is the most potent, like, clear indication that there should be a difference between those that are following Jesus and those who aren't. There's a clear indication that says to you and to me as Jesus followers, if you're Jesus following here tonight, there has to be a clear indication that there's a difference between them and us. If we're not changing, we're not following. Too real for 1030? Team Will for 1030, if we're not changing, we're not following. And David says, don't allow your heart to be envy of sinners. And I think that's crazy because here's the thing about envy. Envy grows. Envy grows, it takes root, and then it corrodes. Envy wants to get down inside of you, and it wants to sour you from the inside out. Here's the thing. David is pleading with the church, and I believe God is pleading with this generation of believers, young or old this morning, wherever you fall on it, I believe God is pleading with you this morning in this church for Grand Rapids, for Rockford, for wherever you found yourself coming from this morning. He is pleading with us, and he's saying, don't be envious of what's going on out there when the Holy Spirit is trying to do something in here. Don't look to the left and don't look to the right. Don't get distracted by the peripheral because God is doing something here. God is doing something here. God is something vertical. He's not interested in you looking horizontal. He wants you vertical. But here we are. There are so many of us Jesus followers in this day and age where we envy the world. We envy their success. And we envy their marriages. And we envy the amount of sex that they're having. We, to real? we envy the size of their bank account. And we envy, here's for the young people, we envy their Instagram followers. We envy that their business is taking off better than ours. We envy that their social situation is greater than ours. 
We look to people and we envy what they have going on when they're not even going in the same direction as you and I. We're over here as Jesus followers. We're on a Jesus bus and we're heading one direction. You see, some of us, we're going to dip back a little bit, but we're still out here singing that Carrie Underwood song saying, Jesus, take the wheel. We don't have a car in this game. Jesus is the bus. He is the, he is the train. He is the trolley car. He is in control. You don't have a wheel. If you've been to knee to Jesus, he has your life. It's the Lord that orders, orders your step. He doesn't need to take the wheel because he's driving a car. And so here we are. We're on our Jesus bus heading towards God, pursuing him, who he is, who he says we can be. And we're looking left lane, and we're looking in the right lane. And the lane that we're driving down is dead set in the middle of the road. It makes no sense to the people around us because it shouldn't because we're different. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. It's true. If you didn't like that, maybe you don't like fitting, not fitting in. Just, you have to not fit in. Sorry, you're a peculiar person. I hate, I can't pronounce that word to say my, my life. Peculiar, peculiar, parochial. I have no idea. Peculiar, peculiar people, okay? Matt, that's why I don't have to make jokes. You are a joke. Okay. So here we are. We're driving down the center of the lane, and we're pursuing Jesus at all costs. And yet we find ourselves distracted by people and places and success and notoriety and fame and all these things that are heading in the opposite direction. If the enemy can distract you, he can disable you. The enemy knows that he cannot kill a Christian. He cannot just run his car across the medium and crash into the Jesus bus and shake a generation. He can't. But what he can do is he can send things into incoming traffic to distract you. He can bring things alongside you that look better than what you have going on. He can try to distract you. If he can distract you, he can disable you. Yeah. If he can get you to start focusing now while you're on this bus heading towards Jesus, not focus on the driver, not focus on the one getting you where you're going, not focusing on the one who is your provision, but you're looking at what he's got and what she's got, and he's in a Maserati, and that car is hotter than mine. The house is bigger than mine. It seems like it's all going really well for them. Their marriage is better than mine. They're having better sex than I'm having. Don't act like you ever have the thought. They got more money. They're doing more in their community, and they don't even know Jesus. Look at them. Look what they're doing. Their Instagram is huge. They are an influencer, and I'm a follower. That's a huge thing that just hit me right now for this generation. Jesus would much prefer you to be a follower than an influencer. Because it's who you follow and it's what you follow and it's what you're shooting for that gives you that influence. This world will change and it will pass you by and it will fade. But who you follow will determine the amount of influence you have and whether you can stand when this world changes or not. You see, the devil, he wants to see you dead. We talked about this. We went three weeks in an awesome series called Dominion. Who loved Dominion? We talked about the authority of the believer. And here's the thing about the enemy. 
if he can get you looking to the left and to the right, he can take your eyes off Jesus and what he's doing for your life, he will have you firmly in his grasp. As you know this morning that it's possible, it is actually possible to be a son of God and a puppet of the enemy. Did you know it's possible to be a daughter of Christ and yet be a puppet for the enemy? You could be in here praising on Sunday while being a puppet in public Monday through Saturday. It's possible. Because once he's got you distracted on the road to disable, he will put his strings in you and he will start pulling you like a marionette. You're praising God with your lips here, but what you're praying for is success based off somebody else who's already on the highway to hell. When, it's true, when David says, don't envy sinners, he's saying this. He's saying, is our God, shoot up to the New Testament here, but Ephesians 3.20, our God is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, dream, or imagine. And we're out here dreaming and asking and imagining for something people who don't even know Jesus, who don't believe the way we believe, who are going the complete opposite direction of life. We're asking for something they have and they already got and they've attained and some sort of success. And God is going, I have better. I have more. I have greater. The world is out here doing this. What I have for you won't shape 2019 and pass away by the time 2020 comes. It won't be a trend. It won't be a fad. It will be for eternity. This is who our God is. And so if the devil can get you, if he can get you coveting, the success of this world, you will forfeit the plan that heaven has for you. If he can get you coveting what the world is doing in the peripheral, if he can get you focused on what they're doing out here, and that can, and that can begin to infiltrate who you are, and you become envious, jealous. Envy just means jealous with malice. It means that you want it so bad you would kill for it. If he can get you focusing on the left and the right, he can begin to get you to believe in hell's plan for your life rather than heaven's plan for your life. And I know that was a little heavy. We good? We still tracking? Yes, yes. To lighten the mood for just a moment and to show us how silly we are, I brought something along with me. If we could put that first blank one up on the screen, Nikki, that would be awesome. Y'all seen this meme? <laughs> this is called the distracted boyfriend meme. There's a girl who's clearly with him. They're going in the same direction. They're walking together. She has his hand. You can see it right there in the bottom. I know the projector's a little burnt. I don't know what happened. Anyways, you can see, you see she has his hand clearly right there, and yet there's this little number that's walking by in a pink dress, and he's like, ooh! Well, the girl who's been ride or die, she just allows you to take her to terrible coffee instead of madcap. Like, she rode with you through a terrible day. You're holding hands, and you are distracted by the first thing that crosses your path. And it's crazy because I think more often than not, here's the Holy Spirit, here's the enemy, and here's you and I. 
Here's the kingdom of heaven. Here's the principalities of darkness. And here's you and I. We got God's hand. He's walking with us. He's taking us down the path. We're heading in his direction. We've been with him. But the second we find ourselves in a, in a vulnerable place, in a default place, in a lethargic place, in a lazy place, where we're feeling like, man, things are just not going well. I thought I would meet God and he would make all of my dreams come true. Didn't realize that he is the dream. And here we are, we find ourselves like we're missing out on something. When truly it's the person and it's the things and it's the thing that the enemy is doing that's right here in a pink dress that is missing out. We've got everything we need in the palm of our hand right there. And here we are looking at what the enemy has to offer. Can you hit that first slide, Nikki? Here's a few things I want to bring up. God's call, world's idea of success, distracted you. Do you see how silly we look? This is like a vantage point from heaven, okay? Every time someone comes home to the kingdom of God, heaven throws a party, our Bible says. Angels are rioting. There are awesome things happening when we get somebody to come home. If you're going to come home today, at the end of the service, you realize that God was for you and you'd have to live off somebody else's success, we'll hit that the call right now. If you're going to choose to follow Jesus, you have to know that the eternity that you just secured is raging that you're coming home. And so here we are. God's call distracted you. The world's idea of success. And I think heaven's just up there going, he looks like a Todd, right? Like, what is Todd doing, okay? Like, what is Todd doing? What is that face? Like, what is he even trying? Like, he's looking, she didn't turn around because you look silly, boy. You look dumb. You look thirsty. Can you hear the next slide? Speaking of thirsty. Here's God's plan for your purity, Okay? We don't like to talk about purity in 2019, I understand, because the world is do this, do that, do whatever, I understand. But when God says, I got a plan for your purity, and you're struggling, you're thirsty, you're feeling alone, you're feeling like, how could I not? You're feeling like that would never happen to me. You feel like this will never be a problem for me. It's just one night, is he really going to be that upset? Can't I just exasketch this and get forgiveness afterwards? A lot of us live our life on exosketch Christianity. We draw what image we want to draw, and then we erase it when we decide we want to give it back to God. That is a preschool word for somebody tonight. And here's the enemy's plan for your purity. Hell and heels, man. Can you hit that next slide? Insert what God says. You distracted at any point in time and the enemy, demonic, worldly, cultural direction for your life. We're in 2019, and we are inundated. Everything is close. The world is closed in. We all live on social media. We have more socializing happen on an online platform than we do in person. It's crazy because that doesn't even, that's not social by definition. I'm not actually interacting with anybody physically here. Instead, we're just like, I don't know, Python and code and HTML and CSS all happening in the palm of our hands. And so we're distracted. We're distracted by things. And we see it. We see ads. And we see people. And our heart breaks for individuals who are going through what they're going through. And we just spend all of our time online. And suddenly our personality exists on an iPhone instead of in real life. Can you hit that next slide? Is this helping anybody? Who God says you are, you and your feelings, and culture's idea of your identity. 
We're just out here with our desires, and we feel one way, but what, what people don't understand is that all of us have had to bend a need of something. All of us have an uncontrollable need of some kind, some idea of ourselves that we wish we could be. Some of us have given up our own dreams to follow the call of God on our life. I met Jesus at 16, okay? I used to draw crazy comic books. I used to want to work for Marvel. The second I met Jesus and I knew I was called to be a pastor, I was like, sorry, Stan Lee, I'm not coming to the office in a few years. Like, I'm going to pursue Jesus. All of us have given up something, and maybe that seems a little bit light compared to what your struggle is or what your idea is or what your feelings are telling you. I get that. I'm not making light of it. Maybe it was for two years of my life when I was just in the chains of porn crashing four Dell computers. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. I probably haven't told you that's why all the computers died growing up. Sorry. <laughs> I repent. Maybe one day I'll buy another one. I don't know. But all of us have had to bend our knee to something, and here is God. He's like, I have something for you. I called you greater. I've called you higher. I've called you wider. I've called you to something else, and I promise you, as confusing as it may be right now, it'll be the most fulfilling thing you will do because you can resist the enemy, and he has to flee. You can resist this culture, and it has to get quiet. You can resist this world. You can resist yourself, and it has to go quiet. Nikki, can you just go to the next one? We're going to get off these. Ride or die, Holy Spirit, let spouse. Unsatisfied you in marriage? Porn. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Here's some woman. Here's a man. Whatever the, it's kind of interchangeable at this moment. Like, you can, you know, put yourself in either character at the moment. But you got to ride or die, Holy Spirit, spouse. They are awesome. She is the queen. You are the king. It is great. But there is something like it's busy. We're in a tough season right now. We're going through a lot. Maybe we've experienced a loss. Maybe we've experienced a loss of a job. Maybe we've, we've had a death in the family. Maybe something, the money's not going good. Maybe the job is hectic. Maybe we're in college. We're trying to get through whatever it is. And one of us is feeling unsatisfied intimately in the relationship. And so return to the world's idea when you're struggling with intimacy, you can just pull up you porn or whatever it's called and start watching. And here's your Holy Spirit right or die spouse who's like, what? Gives. Next one, Nikki. Right that Holy Spirit, let it spouse. Unsatisfied you. Flirtatious co-worker strategically placed in front of you by the enemy. Need I say more? Y'all ever been there? You at, you at work, you at the water cooler, you work at a factory, you work in a hospital, you work at college, you go to college, or wherever you are, right? Marriage is on the rocks. Relationship maybe is on the rocks. Maybe you're not married to whoever it is that you're, you're dating or you're courting at the time. And you're unsatisfied. And all of a sudden, there's this strategically placed because the enemy, it says, he studies you and he prowls and he looks at you like a roaring lion. He has studied you. He has cases on you. He's got files on you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you stumble. And he knows how to get you where he wants. He is playing checkers while a lot of us are playing chess. And he will strategically place a co-worker, somebody in your life to distract you when you are most unsatisfied where God has called you. You can go back to the series graphic. We're kind of done with that. I brought that along because I think the distracted boyfriend meme is not only hilarious, I think it speaks to this generation's identity right now. That we are distracted. If the enemy can get us distracted 
Man, we have moved away from the word and we've been engulfed by the world. I'm sorry. The world has changed a lot in 2,000 some years. What hasn't changed is what Jesus said. It's what the word said. We get better technology, understand Hebrew and Greek better. We get a few more red letters in there. But it remains. And it has remained. And it's always been there. And we're engulfed in 2019, and we're not engulfed in the word. And so here's David, and he says, do not envy sinners, but instead. Somebody say, instead. Yeah. Instead, fear the Lord. Somebody say, all the day. Somebody say, all day. Somebody say, all day. Somebody say, all day. Come on. All day. And so here's the thing. Sorry, Rusty. Here's the thing. He says, do not be envious of sinners, but instead. You good, Mikey. You just leave it. That's, that's his fault. He'll get rebuked later. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Our worship team's incredible, are they not? Yes. Incredible. He says, instead, remain in the fear of the Lord all the day. Which is crazy, right? Because here in the world today, uh, we kind of get this messed up, right? We're kind of like, oh, fear of the Lord in a biblical context means God wants us scared of him. That's actually not the case, okay? This is why studying and being in your word is really good so that, you know, right believing leads to right behaving, okay? Right believing leads to right behaving, okay? We have to learn what it says to understand it so we know these things. Fear doesn't mean I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm in fright or shock of God. It means to approach him in an awe, in an awestruck, in a wonder, in an awesome, in a reverent way. We're not called to be scared of God, we're called to revere God. Perfect love casts out all fear, amen? Yeah. We've all been to the Christian bookstore before, we've had the bumper sticker, we've put it on our Bible, we know that verse in and out. Perfect love, which is God's love for you. Cast out all fear. He is not calling us to be scared of God. He is calling us to revere God. To have reverence and respect for who he is. And part of having reverence and respect for who he is is having reverence and respect for who he says you are. You are who he says you are. You are not whatever they say you are. You are who he says you are. There are two labels in this room, and that is son and it is daughter. You are who he says you are. Yeah. And so how he can get you disabled, maybe you're wondering, because I said that earlier, is this. David goes on to say, instead, live in, be continually in fear of God all the day. And then he says what? Nikki, can you throw that verse back up there for me? He says, surely. Somebody say, surely. surely. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. The fruit, you can leave that up in Nikki, the fruit of being in fear of the God, of God, all the day long is that your future is not just a future, not just a existence, it's a sure future. And the fruit of that is that your hope will never be cut off. Amen? So what's the fruit the other direction when you're distracted? When you're distracted and you're envying sinners and people of this world and the culture that we find ourselves in, when you're envying what they got instead of who he is, 
Your future is uncertain. Your future is dark, it is cloudy, it is murky. Because you are trying to be in a, you're a citizen of one world while trying to identify with another. God says that you are not of this world. You are called to be nope, in the world. You are not of this world, but you are in the world. And a lot of us out here, if we're being honest this morning, we're like, yeah, but can I just have a little bit of that world money? Like, I work really hard, and I sacrifice a lot, and I'm here at 8.30 to set up, and, like, Matt's kind of crazy, and he preaches too long, and I'm, like, really trying to serve the Lord, and I'm kind of trying to do this, but, like, they out here living in sin, smelling like hell, doing their thing, smoking the devil's lettuce, okay? And I just could use some money. <laughs> trying to lighten it up. I know it's been heavy. And that's a lot of us. We're like, we're like, couldn't, couldn't my marriage just look like their marriage? They don't even have you. I'm trying to build it on a solid rock foundation. They don't even have you, and yet they're having way more sex than I'm having. They're, they're having way better communication than I'm having. God, their, their business is just really taking off, and here I am just on Struggle Street. I don't feel like I'm on the Jesus bus in life right now. I feel like I'm on the struggle bus right now. But can I just have a little bit of what they got going on? Can I just have a little bit of that favor it appears that they have? And I think if we're honest this morning, I'm my hands up. Has anybody else been there? You just look in the world and you go, how have they made it when I'm struggling to do so? And here at this church, you've got to understand, I am in no way right now saying that I am in favor of hardships for the church. Okay? This church is a church that doesn't believe that Christians are only here to be a whipping post for the devil, that everything in your life should go wrong, and that it should be terrible all the time. No, 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 no. This church believes that we go from glory to glory, hope to hope, strength to strength, build up to breakthrough. Come on, we can't lose, church. And Paul tells us to count up pure joy when we experience trials of many kind. We're going to go through some things. We're going to experience these things. We're going to experience the world having worldly more success than we do. And Paul tells us, just, just find joy in it. You've got Jesus. They don't. You've got something they haven't attained right now as it stands. They are firmly going the wrong direction on a different road, existing in a different world, in a different place, and they are heading to a very different eternity. But for you, I have you. You are my son. You are my daughter. And if you keep fear, revere, and thanks for me, if you keep your eyes fixed on me, I will give you a future that is sure and a hope that will never be cut off in a world that exists in hopelessness because that's where they operate from. That's where they live from. That's where they're coming from. They're scratching and clawing and they're pushing other people down just to get their way. It's because they don't really have hope and they don't really believe they're going to make it and they don't believe anybody else should either. But God says, I have a future and it's sure. This is not, this is not, this is not Rochambeau. This is not Russia roulette where there may be something's going to happen for you. There is a sure future that exists for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? And your hope will never be cut off. Can I tell you another piece of scripture tonight? I know we got to get going. I'm sorry. I got kind of carried away those memes. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this. It won't be up on the screen because some, I, I messed something up. I don't know. Therefore, do not be anxious for anything, 
what, say, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Gentiles are simply people who haven't come to know Jesus yet. Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness to live righteously, to live the way he's called us to live, to live in revere of God. Seek first these things and all of this will be added onto you. Maybe this morning you're kind of curious, why did Matt call this? The future is now. I believe what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that your future is now. Your tomorrow is shaped by what you seek today. You, my friends, my family here this morning, our future, our tomorrow is decided by what we do and apply to our lives today. The future is now. If we take this worship, if we take this word, if we take this experience, and it's not just an experience, but it's our lifestyle, we seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added on to you. Here's the th funny thing. Both David, who you know is a man after God's own heart, we know that, but he's also a dude who has messed up his life, screwed it up far more than Matt McClure has. Uh, if you know me, I'm... Well, I'm no way. Praise God. We're all growing, changing. Got a little bit more David in my life than I'd like to admit. Okay? But here we are. And here's David, a man for God's own heart. And he knew this in the Old Testament before he even had the Holy Spirit. You and I, as Jesus followers, we have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is telling his boys, same thing David said. David said, don't allow your heart to envy. Jesus says, don't allow yourself to be anxious. You have control over your heart. You have a heart. Your heart doesn't have you. You have possessions. Your possessions shouldn't have you. You have success. Success shouldn't have you. You have control. God knows that you want these things. He knows those dreams and those desires late at night in your heart that you were saying, I am born for this. Why is it not happening? He knows that dream. He knows that ache because he put it there. He knows you far more than the world could ever and far more than you could ever know yourself. He knows you inside and out. Even if you find yourself in here this morning with the thickest head of hair or you're balding, wherever you find yourself, pray over it. God knows the number of hairs that are on your head. You don't even know that. Your doctor couldn't even know that. It would take so long he knows you, and he knows you need these things. And Jesus and David both, what they know about God is that God has given you not only the Holy Spirit, but he has given you the ability to speak to your heart and say, heart, I'm not going to give in to anxiety today. Instead, I'm going to give in to praise. I'm going to lean into who he, who he is. I'm not going to be a slave to anxiety anymore. Women in the house, we're ladies that. Put your hands up. Ladies. You are not women of worry. You are warrior women. Amen? Amen? That is who you are. That is who you are. You are a citizen of heaven and a citizen of heaven. While we may live in earth right now, we get to, by the power of the Holy Spirit given to us, we can speak to our emotions. We can speak to those dark thoughts. We can speak to our depression. And we can say, heart today, not today. Is there anybody here tonight that just wants to lift up a not today? Come on. Come on. Not today. God is waiting for you to take control of your life that he's given you. There's a reason that Jesus doesn't say, anxiety be gone out of Peter. He doesn't say that. 
He didn't say, John, you know what, get off me. You're a, little, you're a little close, bro. I know you're my favorite disciple. That's what I tell him. I know you're a little close right now, but quit leaning on me. And don't worry, we'll be gone. He doesn't say that. He says, don't allow yourself to be anxious. Don't. Speak to it. God knows you emphatically. Depression doesn't have to have its claws in you. The enemy doesn't have to have the strings around your hands and your legs controlling your beliefs, your wants, your hopes, and your desires. You can speak to the darkness, and it has to go. The future is now. What you do with it, what you seeds you plant today, will produce fruit for tomorrow. And that's good or bad fruit. You can sow some bad seeds today. That's how much sow some bad oats. That's another sermon series for another time. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about sowing seeds today that we would see a future tomorrow. Worship team, you can make your way back up here. I see an engine. I see you're excited. I see you ready to go. Yep, we're going to figure all this out. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. That's all good. The future is now. Can you just imagine with me for a second? Can you just imagine with me for a second? Can you imagine with me what your life would begin to look like if you actually decided in this moment, this morning, that you're going to seek first the kingdom of God? We're not going to seek first the kingdom of Matt or the kingdom of Scott or the kingdom of Adrian insert any other name here. We're not going to insert the kingdom of the Kardashians because we want to have a reality television series and we want to be able to sell uh, lipstick that's crazy amounts for obvious of money and all this stuff. Like, we're not going to seek first the kingdom and riches of this world. We're not going to make agreement with things that can never fulfill us. Instead, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God, and we're going to see what our life will begin to look like. What would your marriage look like if you said, marriage, wife, husband, I'm not going to seek me first in this relationship. In fact, I'm not going to seek you first in this relationship. I know that's not news to you because I've been doing that already. I'm not going to seek you first, and I'm not going to seek me first. We're going to seek the kingdom of God first in our marriage. What does that begin to look like, single person? I know we're in a college city. There's like 18 of them. I know there's a lot of parties. I know there's a lot of things that you can get into. I know there's a lot available to you. But what happens to your grades? What happens to your heart? What happens to your mind? What happens to your relationships? What happens to your ability to truly live this life and life to the full when you decide, I'm not going to seek fame in this city? Grand Rapids is full of young people all trying to make a name for themselves. God is looking for a city full of people who are going to make his name famous. What happens when we decide to seek first the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of self? It's in the kingdom of instead of the kingdom of my heart's just breaking for people in this room right now because I'm kind of hearing at the moment that some struggles that are going on and I and I want to be able to speak to those. It's just it's crushing. 
What if instead of just finding anybody, seeking the kingdom of anybody to make us feel sexually fulfilled, we decided to truly seek first the kingdom of God when it came to our bodies. Because you guys got to know When you're seeking that, it happens between your ears ever before it happens between your legs. And so there is something that's taking place on the inside of you that easily entangles you, it says. And it just rips our soul apart. It entangles us before we ever find ourselves in the act. Instead of ripping our souls apart, what if we seek first the kingdom of God that builds our souls up? How about for your life? I'm here to tell you this morning at 10.30 in the morning, come on. Yeah. Your future is secure with heaven, but your future is forfeited with hell. Your future is secure with the word. Your future is forfeited with the word. Your future is secure with Jesus. We're living a God-revered life, a Jesus-pursuing life, a Holy Spirit-filled life. Jesus is our anchor. His word is a light into our path, and our future is not just whimsical or unshaped, but it is solid and it is sure. And your hope that we all need. Your hope will never be cut off because you are anchored to something that has already died, defeated death, and has come back.